What is up, podcast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, with, I mean, <clears throat> not just another great episode of the Matt Baxter Show, but also like one of a kind edition of a podcast on the Matt Baxter Show. I'm hanging out with Ryan Hartman, who was in like the most crazy thing in the world while recording Spaceport. Yeah, casually. Um, talking about launching people up into space from a tourism perspective and changing the world. I mean, Ryan is just like an amazing, amazing human being. Um, and I am just absolutely honored to have the chance to have chatted with him, not just from like a, the impact that he's having with literally taking people into space from a tourism perspective, but deeper than that, he's a leader. He wants to actually encourage people about chasing and pursuing their passions and finding what those things are. And he's not afraid to lead with some challenging questions, but also ones that uh, questions that make people better. And so Ryan, um, I'm not saying this just to say this. I say this like I, I truly respect you as a leader. I truly uh, just am, am grateful for the time that we had uh, on this podcast. And I'm excited uh, for more time together as well to learn from you. And uh, not to mention, if you like want to go into space, he's probably the guy to talk to. So Ryan, thanks for your impact. Thankful for you. And so very excited uh, for people uh, to get a little bit more exposure to some of the things that you guys have going on at Worldview. So thanks again for being a guest on this podcast. And uh, I hope all you listeners out there enjoy this just as much as I did. Ryan, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. You got it. We're gonna have some fun. Uh, but first, where, where in the world are you? I'm at Spaceport Tucson. Uh, so my my hope is, my guess is, Matt, that uh, you've not done a podcast with somebody from a spaceport. I um, can honestly say I have not done a podcast with somebody uh, from a spaceport. I have not also even spoken to somebody who's done that either. So I'm uh, I'm pretty fired up now. I had no idea that that's where you're recording from. So uh, this this will be fun. So with that kind of tee up, uh, at least why don't you give me a background that led you up to today on a Monday uh, being at Spaceport? What's the background? What's the life journey? Just just run the whole thing by me. Yeah. Well, Matt, you know, when I look back at my career and just the journey I've been on, um, it really starts in my childhood. And that uh, uh, that was growing up on a cattle ranch here in southern Arizona, not not far from Spaceport Tucson. My grandfather, uh, Grandpa Hartman, as uh, as he was known to me as um, he he ran this ranch and in observing him, one of the things that uh, that I now can reflect on is how much of a steward he was of um, his his land, his ranch, uh, the people he was responsible for, and uh, it was the it was like an early representation of purpose for me, and that purpose for him was leaving his ranch, the land, better than he found it, and leaving people better than he found them. And so, uh, you know, long story short, I guess, you know, I went on to join the military and then um, uh, after uh, some time in the military and after college, uh, I joined uh, a a small company that got bought by uh, a big company, Raytheon. Um, And uh, and I and I guess I learned a lot about business, but I I was really finding myself yearning uh, purpose. And, uh, and so I was reflecting on, you know, my, my grandfather's life and just his career as a, as a purpose-driven cattle rancher um, and wanted to find an intersect of purpose uh, and technology. 
And that led me to, to ultimately joining a company called Insitu, where uh, I became CEO. Uh, and that was my first opportunity to, to lead a team and lead a company around purpose. And at Insitu, we defined um, our purpose as being that uh, we existed to pioneer and innovate in all that we do so that, so that we have a positive impact on people's lives and change the course of history. But what's interesting about that is if you, if you break that down, you know, the, the idea of pioneering and innovating in all that we do so that we have a positive impact on people's lives, you know, it really came down to kind of what I talked about with my, my grandpa Hartman, the idea of, of leaving people better than we found them. Uh, but that, that focus was on our customers. And at Insitu, we built unmanned aircraft and we un operated those unmanned aircraft for customers uh, in hostile environments. So we, we had teams and aircraft operating in Iraq and, and in Afghanistan and other places around the world. Uh, and we, we found that by defining a purpose of leaving um, or uh, uh, having a positive impact on people's lives, ultimately what that meant was saving lives, you know, providing information, you know, where we could uh, provide intelligence or provide uh, some, you know, some insight into what was going wrong or uh, going on around them so that, uh, so that they could, you know, remove themselves from harm's way. And I'll, I'll share two stories, Matt, if, uh, if you'll allow me that, uh, that really Please. articulate. Yeah, good. So one day, um, uh, the, the security team at, uh, at Insitu, uh, the, the receptionist at the front door, they, they, uh, they came back to my office and they said, there, there's somebody here uh, that would like to give you a hug. And I was like, huh? Talk about uh, interesting requests. Yeah. So I was like, uh, like, like, and in one sense, it's like, all right, that's flattery. In the other sense, it's yes. like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and and so, you know, I kind of giggled and, and they're like, no, no, you should probably hear her out. I'm like, okay. So, uh, uh, so I came out to the lobby and there's this, this nice woman standing there. Um, and she like, without any word spoken, uh, some, a few tears in her eyes, she, she ran up and gave me a hug. Uh, and, uh, and so then I sat down with her and just, uh, just asked her like, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's going on and, you know, and, and how, how can I, how can I help you here today? And she said, well, I just got off the phone with my son. My son is a Marine, uh, deployed to Afghanistan. And he was just on the phone with his father and I, and he was talking about a mission that he had been on that day. Uh, and uh, um, he said they were on this, uh, this resupply mission in a, in a convoy, uh, and they found themselves in the middle of an ambush. And uh, there were these, um, these systems that they all had. They're called remote video terminals. Uh, and so each Humvee and, and uh, you know, and, and vehicle that was in that convoy, they all had this remote video terminal. And he said they were looking at it and they, they could see a top-down view of where they were. And as a result, they could see where uh, the ambush was coming from, where the, where the, uh, the enemy was in, in trying to, uh, to stop them. Uh, and so they were able to take cover, uh, call in support, and ultimately got through that, that ambush unscathed. Uh, and just continued on with their mission. And while he was on the mission, um, uh, he asked somebody, like, where was that video coming from? I had no idea uh, that, uh, um, that uh, uh, 
uh, that some somebody was above us, you know, providing this kind of imagery. And he and he uh, and his his uh, fellow Marine said, "Oh, that's that's a, a scan eagle, um, and we never go on a mission w without one, and this is exactly why." So they carried on with the mission, and he had never heard of a scan eagle before. So he went back, got back to the base, and he looked up scan eagle, and he saw it was from this company in situ that was based in his hometown of Bingen, Washington. And he thought, how cool is that? And so he called his mom and dad and said, hey, you know that company in situ that we see, you know, the buildings around town um, of? Well, uh, they build this company or this system called Scan Eagle, and this is what happened today. And, and his mom, you know, um, you know, wasn't hearing the cool factor of, of a Scan Eagle um, of being there. What she heard was, you know, that this company in, in Bingen, Washington, uh, uh, developed this technology that, uh, that in her mind, saved her, uh, her son's life. And so, uh, so it, it made that hug that I mentioned. She went as far as not only, you know, not only just being appreciative of yeah. what a business like that, but literally to show up to your office to give you a hug. To give, a, give me a hug. And so then... Um, <laughs> Uh, so then she asked, you know, who else is responsible here? And I was like, well, you know, it, it was like 1,500 people. I'm like, there's a lot of people responsible. <laughs> yeah, I can rattle off all 1,500 yeah. names. <laughs> but, uh, but she asked if, you know, there was other people that, you know, that are directly responsible. So I gathered a, a group of people. She gave everybody a hug. But, but the point of that, Matt, was it really brought home the importance of our purpose, you know, mm. that, uh, that ultimately, you know, uh, what we did on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, um, um, ultimately inspired that woman to come give somebody a hug, um, and uh, and that felt good, right? It felt it felt like you know that truly was the intersection of purpose and technology, and then, you know, the 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 latter end of that that purpose that I mentioned was that to change the course of history, and that came from an email I received uh, from one of our customers. A, uh, I'll just say a very high-ranking official in, in, uh, within the military. And he sent me an email and he said, and I'm not going to be able to tell you any specifics, um, but I thought you'd like to know that your team uh, and your products changed the course of history today. Um, what a strange email to receive. <laughs> yeah. But by, by the way, by the way, I can't tell you what it did, but I'm just yes. going to tell you that a lot happened. Oh, God, yes. talk about a teaser. Yes. <laughs> you know, but, but, the, but, but I was reflecting on that. It's like how, how incredible, you know, that the work that we were doing could have the potential to, to, to lead someone to share that kind of note, that we changed the course of history. And so, so, you know, it was those kinds of stories that we leveraged in defining why we existed, right? And going back to that, that we existed to inspire, create, or excuse me, to, uh, um, uh, to pioneer and, and innovate in all that we do so that we have a positive impact on people's lives and change the course of history. And, uh, and so that was in situ. And so, uh, so then, you know, after uh, spending about nine years in in situ or so, um, um, I um, uh, left in situ and was looking for the next opportunity to uh, intersect purpose and technology. And I, I learned about Worldview uh, and, the, and the work we were uh, doing, you, you know, what, some four years ago, I guess, um, and, and saw the same opportunity to, to intersect purpose and technology, but in a very different way. 
And, uh, and so I decided to, to take on the role as CEO here to help you know, drive us to be a purpose-driven company. And uh, at Worldview, uh, um, we exist to inspire, create, and explore new perspectives for a radically improved future. Um, and uh, I, I imagine uh, we can have a long conversation uh, around you know, what it means to inspire new perspectives and what is a radically improved future mean. But that's ultimately, back to your question, Matt, uh, what has led me to be participating in this podcast uh, from Spaceport Tucson. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I love it. And I'm, I'm, uh, I knew there was a cool story behind it all, uh, but it's uh, far better than expected, too. So a <laughs> um, uh, couple things I, I want to double click on. The first one is uh, grandfather's farm, beef cattle or dairy cattle? Beef. Yeah. He was a very much a cattle rancher. Uh, um, uh, he was a pioneer in cattle ranching. Um, and so we raised uh, Hereford Angus uh, mix on the on the cattle ranch. I love it. My um, my stepmom's um, her dad. So I guess technically my step grandpa, he had he milked about 150 head of cattle on yes. a dairy farm up in the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan. And I actually when I was in high school, my dad stepped into kind of off the track adoption for um, thoroughbred horses. Oh, wow. So I've kind of grown up in kind of weird pockets with uh, <laughs> large animals, which has been fun. So I have for you a uh, well, I, I, I uh, good for your grandfather because some of the work that he and the long days he put in, there's nothing. Uh, a couple emails that I send during my busy work day can compare to what some of the work he did. So I, that's that's amazing. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, the, the other thing, too, I wanted to double click on is uh, the military experience. Thank you for your service. Um, actually, uh, last, what day is today? Monday. Last uh, Sunday, I drove to Chicago because one of my best buddies, college roommate, he, uh, um, he just shipped off to uh, join the Navy and become an EOD. Uh, oh, so wow. Bomb squad guy. Um, yeah. So his, his dream has always become uh, to, to be part of SEAL Team 6. And He's got a path to, you know, potentially join it as an EOD guy, which is amazing. So I have a huge amount of respect uh, for it. So thank you for yeah. uh, thank you for that. My my pleasure, and uh, um, nothing but the best of luck to your uh, to your buddy um, as he becomes an EOD expert. That's uh, very important work, and obviously very dangerous work. Uh, um, you know, but uh, it takes a special person to to want to uh, uh, put themselves in that position for the. The, the safety of others. And so yeah. um, that's amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then kind of the last thing, and this I think is kind of a perfect transition. Uh, the podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. And so you mentioned purpose on numerous occasions. Uh, to the audience listening, I promise I didn't pay Ryan to say that. It just happened that uh, <laughs> his story aligns with uh, such such per, uh, you know purpose-driven work, which is phenomenal. So in your day job today, talk about the, you know, you you really have the inspiration uh, to have, you know, world changing and generational changing and world impact sort of work, which is amazing. And I'm a small but working on it entrepreneur in a couple of different capacities and have sort of grand visions to do the same. What does that look like on just a day to day basis? I mean, people love taking a step back and dreaming about changing the future and taking a step back and following guys like Elon Musk and Bezos and, and seeing what that looks like in a grandiose uh, approach. But yet, I think forget or sort of dismay what it means on a day-to-day -day basis. So what does that look like for you? Well, you know, I guess it all starts with getting out of bed. Uh, um, so 
um, what I love about um, leading a company that is first and foremost purpose-driven um, is it's the purpose that defines the day-to-day. And so, you know, every day, you know, I find myself, you know, having to make lots of different decisions, um, you know, supporting a lot of different, um, you know, requests of the team and supporting the team as, you know, as they execute the work. Um, and, um, and ultimately what that looks like is, is always tapping back into, you know, our purpose as a company and ensuring that decisions are made in alignment um, with our, with our purpose. Um, you know, but on a, on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, it's, um, it's also a, a a challenge, uh, I'll say it takes a lot of discipline to not be pulled away from that. Um, you know, decisions, um, you know, are, are something that, um, should feel uncomfortable. And if, and if it's an easy decision, it's probably the wrong decision. Um, you know, and that's kind of what I've learned in, you know, leading small companies and growing companies that, you know, um, easy decisions or, you know, what, what appears to be the easy outcome is likely just someone hitting the, 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 the easy button instead of leaning into uh, the discomfort of making hard decisions and, you know, and, and, um, and ultimately, um, you know, seeing those decisions through. You know, I, I, heard a, I heard a quote, uh, I think it was even just last week, that really resonated with me on, on what it means, you know, to lead a purpose-driven company, but also, you know, what it means to be an entrepreneur. And the, and the you know, the quote was, uh, you know, making a decision is, um, you know, is is more about making uh, or not making the right decision, but making a decision and then making the decision right. Um, and, you know, that really defines the day-to-day um, of an entrepreneur, and I, uh, entrepreneur, but I think also a CEO in general, that you make a decision, then you make the decision right. And ultimately what that means is, you know, you work every day uh, to see through um, uh, uh, the decisions that you make and to, and to ensure that it is a positive outcome. Uh, and so, it, you know, for me, that means making a decision and then spending a lot of time with the team, you know, walking around, talking to teammates and, and finding out, you know, how their day is going or how their week is going or how their month is going, finding out, you know, the impacts of decisions that we've made inside of the company and, you know, what is the, what are, what are the pain points or what are the, you know, the positive things that are going on. Um, it's, uh, you know, spending time educating myself and reading and, uh, um, and, uh, and continuing to learn so that, you know, that I have tools available to me to, to, to make decisions right, you know, um, and, uh, um, and that's, that's what I find, you know, generally, you know, my day consists of. No, I, I, I love it. And, and I'll admit there's a bit of a selfish, uh, reason for asking, and it's just as much to kind of learn from, from you in the sense that, you know, I own a tech startup myself and got, we went from five employees last year to, uh, about 17 or 18 now. And so just seeing, um, some of the scale, again, we're still tiny, but just seeing some of the magnitude and the things grow and it's an amazing experience, but also there, you, you kind of reach a point where there, there, there stops being a guidebook and it starts being a, hey, you know, uh, if, if there was a right or wrong answer to this question, 
chances are I probably would have made the right one. At least I hope. Um, so it, it actually evolves much more to be, I have no idea. And we're going to, we're going to do the best we can and then deal with the repercussions, positive or negative from that. And it. so learning, learning from, you know, your experience at, you know, a bigger scale, or maybe, uh, uh, you know, we work in HR, we help people get jobs. So it's important work, but I don't have, uh, somebody showing up to my office, give me a hug because we saved her son's life sort of thing. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, yeah, yes. We, we, well, we hope we're never put in that circumstance, but we hope we have such a strong impact that somebody feels compelled to do that. But okay. I, 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 I tee all that up to say, like, um, just kind of learning from the fact of, uh, it, it's a day-to-day, just as much acknowledgement of team members and, and some of the mundane but important work that needs to be done. It's, it's fascinating to hear. So. Oh, perfect. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and, you, you know, going back to, you know, your point that it's more of a selfish question. Uh, the reality is, is there, there's not a CEO in the world or a founder of a, of a, of a company and especially a tech startup uh, that hasn't relied on the mistakes and the best practices of other founders and other CEOs. So good for you for asking. Well, let me, let me, let me take that to the next level. Who do you, who do you maybe confined, uh, look up to learn from, and it can be as simple as a family member, loved one. It could be as complex as, you know, somebody who you've done a lot of reading on, but who do you, what's sort of your sort of go-to support network when it comes to, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I got to make a decision. What do I do next? Well, there's, there's a, a handful of people and it depends on kind of what the problem set is. And so, you know, when it comes to purpose uh, driven companies um, or just like purpose in general, whether that be my personal why, my personal purpose, or, you know, um, the challenges of leading a company through uh, purpose, I, I rely on uh, Steven Shedletsky. Um, look him up on LinkedIn. Uh, he has his own website. I think it's stevenshaletsky.com. Um, uh, he um, uh, spent a lot of time uh, within the Start uh, Start With Why organization under uh, Simon Sinek. Um, and he's somebody who has, has really coached me and has just been a strong supporter of my own journey around purpose. And so all things purpose or why related, um, you know, I, I, I go to Steven Shedletsky and uh, he's uh, he's just such a great resource uh, for me in um, in that uh, regard. You know things that are business related it 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 changes, but you know what I what I rely on is a you know a network of of peers or people who have have led companies um, in similar businesses, similar markets, similar stages, um, and uh, just maintain a, a network that you know I can rely on any one of them to be able to. Uh, to ask questions and, uh, um, and uh, um, you know, work through problems. And, uh, you know, oftentimes it's just somebody that's a sounding board that's, uh, that's going, going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, helping me realize that it's not about making the right decision. It's about making a decision and then making the decision right. It's all of that work necessary to make a decision right and, and uh, me just being able to have sounding boards in that regard. Um, can can you real, real quick? I don't mean to cut you off. Can you repeat what you just said about making the right, not making the right decision? Will you repeat yeah. how you said that? So uh, it's not about uh, making the right decision. It's about making a decision and then making the decision right. I love that. Um, and uh, and so that work, you know, is is something that 
um, is just ongoing. And, and I, I, I rely on a good number of, of mentors, coaches, just that have been through it just like me and, and, and people I can just, uh, you know, just, just serve as a sounding board for me. And then, um, you know, and then I have a, a great resource. So, you know, I, I mentioned my grandfather, um, and, uh, um, just his role as a leader in, in cattle ranching and, and, uh, you know, how it was clear that he led with purpose. Um, you know, my, my grandfather has long been passed, but I'm fortunate that he wrote a book. Uh, and, uh, in that book, uh, he writes a lot about, you know, lessons that he learned in, in being a, a father, a grandfather, a husband, you know, a brother. Um, and he writes a lot about, uh, being a leader and what that meant to him. Um, and then, uh, being a businessman, uh, and what it meant to be a businessman. Uh, and so, uh, I kind of look at that book, Matt, as a guide to my DNA. <laughs> and so, uh, when, when, when I'm struggling with something, you know, I, I might pick that book up and just read a chapter that's applicable, you know, like the one on leadership I've read numerous times and the, the chapter on, you know, business and being a businessman I've read numerous times. And there's you know, a lot of humbling things in there. And, and, you know, like the, like the, the chapter header, uh, for being a leader, it says, uh, if you have to tell some, somebody that you're the boss, chances are you are not. And it's, a, <laughs> and it's a, it's an entire chapter on, you know, how to be a humble leader, how to be a servant leader. Um, and, uh, uh and he doesn't use those words, but that's exactly how it's written. It's a, about the humility of being a leader and, le- and leaving people better than, uh, than you found them. So I, so I rely on that book a lot and it's called the making of a cow man, um, by G Marshall Hartman. And, uh, and so I have a copy at my desk and, and a copy at home. And, um, and, uh, and so that's, that's, those are the sources that I go to when, uh, when I need support. I love it. Um, you're right. If I ask a tough question. Yes. So, um, with, with a focus of a business around making, uh, the business, uh, a purpose-driven company, the work mm-hmm. that you're doing is purpose-driven. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the business world and in life, you have to make tough decisions when it comes to either an employee not working out, a team member not working out. How do you sort of balance the the mission around there's a purpose here and this person might not just be the the, the right person to carry it through? And I'll, I'll, I'll tee up the reason I'm asking this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have become pretty familiar with companies that really latch on and have a focus of a social impact, which is amazing. And faith is something that's important to me. And so I know a lot of Christian run companies or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, different religion run companies, which is awesome. But sometimes there's the backlash of how do you have a, you know, a faith driven company or a purpose driven company or social impact driven company, but also you got to occasionally make some tough decisions, which is not always easy. How have you balanced that? Well, I always and I know softball it. questions only, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I always start with the positive side of it, and and um, and it and it generally um, enables me and and leaders around me to uh, to make those tough decisions. And so the the positive side of it is that I firmly believe that everybody here at Worldview. Uh, deserves to be a rock star. 
Uh, and so what does it take to be a rock star? Well, it takes two things. Um, of course, for the job that anybody's in, it, it requires that they uh, have the skill set and the education uh, and the experience for them to be able to manage you know, the content of their job, right? the deliverables of their job. Um, so that's one you know, of the criteria. But the other um, um, criteria that enables someone to be a rock star is they have to be a, a strong uh, cultural contributor. They have to help bring our culture to life. And so if those two things are true, you're going to be a rock star. You know, you're going to be somebody who has a bright future uh, at Worldview. Um, but let's take the instance where somebody, you know, is, uh, you know, a, you know, have strong background, experience, they have the right education um, to do their job, but they're not, a, they're not a, a good culture fit. They're not, they're not contributing to making our culture vibrant. Um, you know, so, so in that case, you know, the job of leaders is to try and coach them into being strong cultural contributors. And if they can't, uh, if they can't get there, if, if through coaching and mentoring, you know, they can't cross that barrier to being a, a cultural contributor, um, then they're not going to be a rock star. Um, and in going back to that, I, I, I believe that everybody deserves to be a rock star. Uh, that means they deserve to be a rock star either here or someplace else. And so the conversation then evolves to, hey, you know, you're a great contributor here, but it's just not the right culture. And so we'd like to help you go find the place where your skills and your experience enable you to be, uh, you know, both a, a strong content contributor and, and uh, be in the right job, but also in the right company where you, you contribute to a cult, uh, the culture. And then on the other uh, kind of uh, um, uh, axis of this, it's somebody who is a strong cultural contributor, but maybe not living up to the expectations of the job and, you know, maybe not producing the kind of, of content or, or, or work output that's necessary in, in their specific role. So in that case, there's a number of different things we can do. We can educate them. Uh, um, we can, you know, uh, provide, um, you know, uh, um, coaching to, to help them, you know, elevate their skills and their, and their education so that they can, um, you, you know, ultimately be a strong contributor uh, in the role that they're in. Or um, it may be that they're just in the wrong role inside the company. Um, and so we work hard to find where, where would that person who's a strong cultural contributor, where may, might they fit uh, such that they're, they're, the content, the work output, you know, um, is, um, 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 is, you know, meeting expectations or beyond, you know, and then that person becomes a rock star. You know, there are some cases, and this is the hard one, where people are a strong cultural contributor, but, you know, we can't find the right job for them, you know, ultimately requires the same conversation, you know, which is, you know, you're a great cultural contributor and we love having you on the team. We just can't seem to find the right job for you. And so let us help you go find, you know, an organization that has the same culture as us, um, but maybe a, a job that would better fit your experiences and your skill set, et cetera. So that's how I look at it and that's how I manage it. And that's, you know, oversimplifying it to some degree, but that is the framework that, uh, that we use here um, in, in talent management. Um, but ultimately what that means is um, that, that you have to, to be very true 
to the culture. And to, to be true to the culture, it is my belief that you have to define the culture and you have to define the values that enable um, anyone to be successful within that culture. And that's what we've done here, here at Worldview. So that's how we handle it. And, and I hope that's helpful for you and others listening to the podcast. Yeah, no, it, it for sure is. That, thank you. Um, that is, uh, number one, spelled out very practically and also addresses that some of these conversations aren't easy, but they are important and necessary and they do come up and there's a reality to all this. I think when, when uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that want to start a business because there's money to be made and there's, you know, flexibility to have and there's, you know, not working for somebody else and et cetera, et cetera. And I think people forget the, how challenging it is, not necessarily anything to do with the first three, but sometimes it's having difficult conversations. And like you mentioned, one of the most difficult ones is a fantastic cultural fit person, somebody you like, you spend time with, uh, you enjoy, but they might not be the best. And those, you know, those are some of the ones that keep you up at night. And that's, that's, uh, I get it. That's hard. Um, Well, I'll say, you know, on that on that same subject, Matt, the one the one that um, that I think is is sometimes even more difficult and maybe maybe not for me, but maybe frontline managers or middle managers in an organization. It's it's the person who is delivering amazing results, Um, you know, that that they're a hard worker. They produce amazing results. but they're but they're just a jerk to their colleagues, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and oftentimes in organizations, that's the person that gets a pass. Um, and the minute that person gets a pass, you know, you you have sent a message to the organization that the culture is just words on paper, right? Um, and that's and that could be very damaging to to an organization. And so um, that means. You know that uh, uh, as a team, we have to be on the lookout uh, for um, you know folks who are you know tremendous uh, contributors just from a, from a content or you know from a from an output of their job perspective, but are just not getting along with their colleagues. And of course, you know we try and, and mentor them. We 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 try and grow them to to uh, uh, to get over that. But but the 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 ones that can't get over that hump that can't, you know, find a way to be strong cultural contributors, even though they're producing amazing content, that's so hard for, for, for people lower in the organization and even for me. Um, and, uh, uh, and I'd say those are the ones that if not attended to have the, the, the most devastating of impacts to a culture. That's right. I, um, yeah, it's, uh, you're producing yet, uh, you're a prick. And a lot of times you might not ever see that, but it's things that you hear issues you have to come in and address. I mean, that's, it's, it's hard. Yes. Um, so I meant to ask this a little bit earlier, but, um, will you mind explaining to the audience what a, uh, um, you're currently sitting in a spaceport. Mm -hmm. What is that? Spaceport, spaceport Tucson. So, uh, this is where Worldview is headquartered, and this is where we operate um, um, our systems for what we call remote sensing. Uh, so for remote sensing, we use stratospheric balloons where we, uh, we take instruments into the stratosphere, imagers into the stratosphere, so we can collect data um, and imagery um, of the Earth, uh, provide insights into that data or imagery, um, so that we can provide a, 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 a new perspective for our customers 
uh, so that they can make better decisions. And then uh, additionally, this is where uh, we're developing our space tourism business. Um, and that side of the business will be um, you know, operating seven spaceports around the world. We call uh, those seven locations the Seven Wonders of the World Stratospheric Edition. Um, and that's where, we'll that. be, <laughs> that's where we'll be uh, taking uh, eight passengers uh, in uh, a space capsule up to the edge of space where they can experience viewing uh, our Earth uh, beyond borders, viewing our uh, Earth beyond race, uh, viewing our Earth as a living organism and ultimately something bigger than themselves. Uh, and along the way, experiencing these seven amazing places around the world uh, where uh, uh, they can immerse themselves in the beauty of the planet, the fragility of the planet, the history of these areas, um, um, starting with the, the Grand Canyon, uh, then evolving to um, uh, Spaceport Great Barrier Reef in Queensland, Australia, uh, Spaceport Serengeti in uh, Eastern Africa, uh, Spaceport Aurora Borealis in Northern Norway, Spaceport Giza Pyramids in Egypt, uh, and then ultimately uh, Spaceport Amazon Jungle in Brazil, and then uh, Spaceport Great Wall of China in Mongolia. Uh, so all of that uh, being... Uh, uh, dreamed up and developed uh, here at Spaceport Tucson. I uh, we could probably do weeks long of a podcast hearing about the details of every single one of those, which is amazing. <laughs> um, I have been to the been to the Amazon. I have been to the Great Barrier Reef and uh, seeing it from a from a uh, bird's eye view. Literally, I think would be one of the most insane experiences of all time. So I think that's I think that's awesome. Um, well, that's that's exactly our vision as well. I've been to. On the seven wonders of the the world stratospheric edition, and um, have just been blown away by the beauty and the history of these areas, but also by the fragility of it. And yeah, and ultimately, you know, what we we can deliver is an opportunity for people to view those those areas as a normal tourist, and then see it from the edge of space um, and trigger a peak experience for them. It's it's often called the overview effect, where someone has you know an emotional reaction to viewing the Earth. Uh, and, you know, recognizing it as a living organism and kind of like I mentioned before, viewing the earth, you know, without race, without borders and something bigger than than oneself. It's a really dumb question, but in order to travel on one of these um, bird's eye view sort of tourist excursions, do you have to like get in shape for it or like prep <laughs> for it or is it literally just like riding? Well, uh so I'm going to go back to our purpose. Matt. Uh, <laughs> and and that's to uh, leave the world better off. So encourage people yes. to exercise. <laughs> well, no, uh, although uh, I hadn't thought of that. But um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the idea of inspiring and, and creating new perspectives, you know, that obviously happens by immersing people in these seven spaceports around the world and then giving an opportunity for them to see it from above. A radically improved future happens when we can deliver this to as many people as possible. And so that means it has to be attainable and accessible, attainable through the, the price that uh, uh, we're offering this at, and then accessible uh, from the perspective of opening space tourism up to a larger age group and a larger set of physical abilities. Uh, and so to answer your question, you know, no, you don't have to be, quote, in shape, um, um, you know, and the idea being that you know, I, I very much desire for 
you know, uh, people who thought space tourism was never a possibility for them because of, you know, some physical limitation. Um, you know, maybe it's that, you know, they're wheelchair bound or um, they have some other physical uh, limitation that would, you know, exclude them from being able to, uh, to, to participate in any other form of space tourism. And so, uh, so, so the way our solution is defined, is designed is, um, is kind of like being, getting on a, a commercial airline, you know, where there's no training involved. There's no, you know, physical limitations involved. You know, it's really around, uh, your desire to do it, you know, and, and, uh, um, and making it as accessible to as uh, you know uh, as many people as possible, and I I envision you know um, you know a day where you know on one flight we have you know a set of grandparents, their children and grandchildren all going up together, um, and um, and that made possible because of our focus on accessibility. And on another flight, you know a person who's wheelchair bound. Uh, who always had the dream of of going to space, uh, but never thought it a possibility. But we made it a possibility through accessibility um, um, of our space tourism solution, and that's uh, that's how we've designed it. I, I love that mission in every way, shape, or form. It's amazing. Um, so, Ryan, for you, uh, I know this. You know, in it, what becomes very apparent in everything you do, it's with a purpose-driven focus. What is the broader kind of purpose for, for, for your life? I mean, if you had to, you know, if you, if you, if you uh, died and at your funeral, people said Ryan did blank and you had a chance <laughs> to fill in what that blank was, what would you want it to be? Well, uh, I guess it's my personal purpose, and that is to create opportunities for success. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, um, you know, my, my contributions, both through what I do at work, but also outside of work, uh, it's all about creating opportunities for success. So, I have a son, Taylor. Uh, Taylor's fourteen, um, and Taylor lives with Down syndrome. And when Taylor was born uh, in two thousand eight, um, I had no idea what it meant for a person to, to be living with Down syndrome. Um, you know, I was worried as a father, um, you know, having two, uh, um, you know, older sons that, um, you know, it was fun being able to raise them as healthy, you know, fully capable humans. And I had no idea, you know, what it was going to be like being a father of a, of a child with Down syndrome. Um, you know, and I did the worst thing you can ever do, which was to Google um, you know, um, you know, a, a, a disability and, you know, of course I focused in on all of the, the, the negative sides of it, but then I, I quickly learned, um, you know, that through Taylor, uh, and, you know, having the, the blessing of being a father to Taylor, that I would learn so much more about life than I would have otherwise been able to learn, uh, and, you know, how that manifested itself is, you know, one, learning more about just the, 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 the cognitive side and the cognitive uh, disability and, and memory dysfunction that exists within people with Down syndrome, but also how to contribute to that. Um, and so I'd, I'd say that's where, you know, my, my life's purpose really started to become clear to me. Uh, and so I got involved in the science of, of Down syndrome um, and really helping create an understanding of 
uh, Down syndrome um, beyond all of the groups that have been stood up for you know, supporting inclusion and awareness of Down syndrome. And so you know, through uh, that work and, and ultimately I uh, um, uh, became chairman of a foundation called the Lumine Foundation, which uh, researches and uh, develops, um, uh, uh, I'll say, um, solutions for cognitive and memory dysfunction in people living with Down syndrome, you know, ultimately what we started to see is that what we were creating was opportunity for people, uh, opportunity for people who would have otherwise, you know, been dismissed, but also, you know, that, 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 that because there wasn't a lot of work being put into, you know, understanding treatments for cognitive and memory dysfunction in people living with Down syndrome, that they, they, they ultimately, um, um, you know, they, they, they wouldn't be able to live up to the best solution of themselves. You know, there's tons of opportunities for you or I to be our best self, right? Uh, through different kinds of treatments of, you know, exercise and supplements, et cetera. Uh, that same kind of work wasn't being put into people living with Down syndrome. And that's ultimately what uh, we set out to, to solve there at LuMind. Um, and so, uh, so, so I felt good about that. I felt, you know, amazing, you know, that, that I could put, you know, my time and energy um, and uh, um, um, passion into uh, creating a better opportunity for somebody and ultimately creating opportunities for success. And then, you know, I, I, I realized, you know, that um, that felt really good because it was going back to the roots of even this conversation, Matt, where I talked about my, my grandpa Hartman, you know, and, and watching him you know, lead uh, uh, ranch hands and cowboys on, on the ranch and, you know, ultimately his focus on leaving them better than he found them. And so I started applying that to work, right, and finding ways to... Uh, use my role as a leader to 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 support people and create opportunities for success. Uh, and uh, when you do that, you learn that you know ultimately you treat people different. You have a you know a, a bit more um, you, you know a, um, a bit more accountability to leading a company to success because if a company is not successful, certainly the people that are you know, that are, that make up that company, um, are, are not going to be successful. And so I find myself, you know, uh, um, uh, being more accountable to just the everyday job of, of leading a company, because ultimately, you know, I'm doing it, um, in support of the people that, that are the company. So, so that's my purpose. I, I, I exist personally, in my opinion, to create opportunities for success. I love that. I love every bit of it. And um, I mean, what a what an amazing story about your son, too. Uh, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of more powerful and impactful work. And um, mm -hmm. obviously caring for a loved one, uh, just that alone is obviously important work. But on top of sort of the broader impact of what you're trying to trying to do um, is, is just awesome. So thank you for thank that. You. That's cool. Yeah. Thank um, you. So, you know, my favorite question, you kind of hinted at it a little bit too, but it's uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I mean, today what gets me out of bed uh, in the morning is uh, uh, just the opportunity we have here at Worldview uh, to help build a, a better experience that will inspire people to, to view our earth in a completely new way. 
Uh, I love the work that we're doing here at Worldview. I'm so inspired by it. Uh, I'm so excited about it uh, just because it's, it's a new frontier. Um, and, you know, being in a position where we can be a contributor uh, to democratizing space tourism, you know, is an amazing thing. But to be able to do it in a way where people can ultimately contribute to a radically improved future for our planet, um, um, you know, it's it's why I jump out of bed every morning. I leap out of bed uh, ready to, to tackle the day's problems. Uh, and uh, um, I can't wait to, to see it all become a reality. I love it. So, Ryan, for... Um Anybody tuning in that wants to, number one, follow along uh, with you, with Worldview, with the work that you're doing, um, what is the best way for them to either get in touch, learn more about you guys, reach out? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you want them to connect with you? Yep. So uh, they can go to our website, uh, www.worldview.space, um, and they can learn about the company there, um, learn about you know why we exist, learn about both our remote sensing and our space tourism business. Um, um, and then we're on all social channels, uh, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're on all of them. Um, we uh, uh, share different content on, on different, uh, different social media channels. So um, uh, on the Instagram side, it's all about you know, the beauty of the work we're doing and, and content there. On the LinkedIn side, it's all about you know, the business side of things. And Facebook's a bit of a a mix of both. And then, you know, Twitter, it's, uh, um, you know, trying our share, trying to share our vision, uh, in concise Twitter, uh, approved, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, lengths of a message. But anyway, uh, um, any of the social channels, www.worldview.space, uh, and, uh, um, and there's lots of great content on all of those. Well, Ryan, you're the man. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Yeah, Matt, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's fun to be on a podcast uh, that so closely aligns with uh, how we run a business. So I was very excited to learn about being on a, on a podcast uh, around purpose, passion, and calling because uh, that's who we are. And so thanks for having us. I love it. Thank you. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <music>